It's the podcast little sensation sweeping across the nation about a David Spade movie that didn't do great. Sure, it's an animated classic, but no one really remembers it. It's Snubba-Lubba-Dub-Dub with Ember's New Groove. It's in the basket. The Rodder's Bagel Basket. Boom, baby. Because his perfect world begins and ends with me. What's his name? You want to be a farmer? Here's a couple of acres. Sorry, Jeff. You lose. It Professor Plow. I said Plow. The men you seek think you are dead, Kimosabe. In a pinch of the start of the Bernoulli Convergenator, if he puts a car in fifth gear, he can jumpstart the whole thing. We don't have to be mean. Because, remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Welcome to Rider's Bagel Basket. I am Scott Kurland, and my guest host is... Hi, it's me. <laughs> Lee Martin is back from Jukebox Zeros. It, uh, like you were, you were here, like, literally two weeks ago. <laughs> I suppose I was. Uh, yeah, so I, I felt bad about giving you Romeo and Juliet... I mean, you shouldn't, because we gave you an equally terrible album to do on Jukebox Zero. Oh, that drove me crazy. <laughs> I think what I love the most about that episode is I've always known you to be a very warm, very affable kind of guy, and then on that one, you just you just got really mean and catty. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, don't be sorry. It was a funny episode. Hey, it's me, Corey Feldman. Um, so, the episode for the, to get that in-joke. So... What we're doing is we're going to alternate between Snubba-Lubba-Dub-Dub, which is films that I feel were snubbed like at award season because we are approaching award season as the year winds down. Actually, this is we're in the new year now. They haven't announced any nominees yet, have they? For Golden Globes, they have. Okay. But not the Oscars. Um, they don't even have an Oscar host yet. But by time this, uh, I don't want to date this, but by time the actual podcast comes out, they might have an Oscar host. Because Kevin Hart had to back down. You heard yeah. about that, right? Yeah, I've heard that story. Um, my vote is for John Mulaney. I think he would be a fantastic host. Um, so if they could get both John Mulaney and Nick Kroll to just do it as their oh, hello characters, well, I would be on they, board. They both hosted the Independent Spirit Awards two years running. Oh, yeah? As the oh, hello characters? No, just... Oh. It was just them. I'm sure it was still really good, though. It was. They play off each other really well. Yeah, John Mulaney had a joke that... Uh, he thought Sam Jackson was going to be there, but he wasn't. So they're like, can, can I still do my Sam Jackson joke? And he goes, Sam Jackson has starting some of my favorite Kangol hats, uh, <laughs> like purple and leather gray. <laughs> um, so we're going to go back and forth. So each episode, we're going to either do a film that was snubbed or a film that this was nominated. So we're going to start off with the snub with The Emperor's New Groove. Yay. Um, this is a film that you and I have talked at length about. <laughs> I mean, most other times I've been on the show, you've usually, when, whenever you've shown me a movie, it's been something that I haven't seen because I'm not that big of a movie person. This one, however, I friggin' love The Emperor's New Groove. This, this, okay, so David Mamet said that this script for The Emperor's New Groove is one of the best scripts 
and film executions that he's seen. And really, every, yeah, every David Mamet said that. <laughs> Can you fucking believe it? I fucking love a fucking kids movie. The Can Emperor's you... New Groove is for closes. <laughs> Always be watching The Emperor's New Groove. Always be llamas. A B L I. I. <laughs> so, um, the reason why this was snubbed, uh, there are many reasons. The animated Oscar wasn't invented yet. Like, the year before, they wanted to do it for Tarzan, which is a film that I've gone on the record of saying that I am not a fan of Disney's Tarzan. Mm. I don't like. Couldn't couldn't care less for it. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> um, the the full extent of my opinion on Tarzan is that Phil Collins made one of the all time weeniest soundtracks for it. Just what you do, money, money. I don't even know the words. <laughs> I do know the words, but I'm not gonna say it. I wanna know. Never mind. Uh, so this. Um, was the film the year before they introduced the animated Oscar. And if they were going to do that because of Tarzan, they should have just did it this year. They waited till Shrek came out. Mm. And I feel this film did not get its due. Um, it got snubbed in, I believe the Annie Awards didn't really give this much love. I think um, Eartha Kick got nominated. She may have won. But this didn't really get recognized. And I think it's because, you know the backstory of The Emperor's New Groove, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, in bits and pieces. I mean, why, why don't you, like, just sort of get started on talking about it, and I'll just throw my two cents in as we go. Sure. There there was a documentary that was made, because Sting was hired to write music for a movie called The Kingdom of the Sun. And The Kingdom of the Sun was a movie based on Mark Twain's The Prince and the Pauper. And it was going to be a peasant boy named Pacha, played by Owen Wilson. Wow. Really? Wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Can you believe it? It's a hey, talking wow. llama. Hey, wow. You're going to destroy my village. Oh, wow. And he's like a mischievous kid who looks exactly like the emperor. Oh, I'm mischievous. Wow. Um, who is, uh, his name wasn't Cusco. It was something else. But it was, was David Spade. It was still David Spade. Well, hang on. I, I have an issue. I think people are going to be able to tell the difference between David Spade and Owen Wilson. Well, what happened is he gets turned in, uh, David Spade gets turned into a llama, and the llama is mute, so David Spade would only talk at the beginning and end of the movie. Oh. That seems like a waste of David Spade's talents. Yeah. And David Spade's whole shtick is that he's sarcastic. <laughs> like, I think you can hear his inner thoughts, but you never really got to see the animatics. So... Um, I still have a feeling people would know the difference if the emperor was just like, hey, wow, I'm the emperor now. Oh, no, you're not. You know, I see you come in here and you have this idea for a village. And it's just so cool. It's just, I love the way that you're just, wow. You're not the emperor. You didn't say one catty remark about my shirt. Oh, that, that hurts me. Like, um, your shirt is... Uh, Oh, I can't even be sarcastic about it. Just wow. Seize him. Uh-oh. <laughs> and scene. Um, but, like, Carla Guccino was going to be uh, his, Potch's love interest, and Laura Prepon from that 70s show was going to be a llama herder who falls in love with... <laughs> who falls it's, in love with Damon Spade's character, which... Uh, wait, a llama herder falls in love with a llama? Yeah. Um... Continue. 
That's all I really this, knew. This 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 uh, abandoned plot has so many more layers than what we saw. Yeah, it was it was darker. It was a much darker and dramatic movie because the guy who was originally going to do it was one of the directors of The Lion King, mm. and this was a passion project for him. And uh, so Isma was going to be played by Barbara Streisand. What? And then they eventually got Eartha Kitt and. But imagine Owen Wilson and Eartha, uh, Barbara Streisand and <laughs> Owen Wilson in the same movie. I'm not sure I can. <laughs> I think it sounds a little something like this. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Barbara Streisand. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it didn't even have Kronk. It did not even have the character of Kronk. No. So unacceptable. So what happened is this all came down to McDonald's tie-ins because they had a release date. They had all the the stuff made. They had the cups, the shirts, the the Happy Meal toys. Everything was Mm -hmm. made and they were not going to meet their deadline. So they basically redid the entire script, made it a 78 minute movie Pacha became a married man, and it just became this whole Emperor's New Groove, like Emperor's New Clothes, but no. It became, no. A, it became a buddy comedy. Yeah, it really did. Um, so let's just dive into it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this was a film that, at the time of its release, it was not very commercially successful, as I understand it, and it didn't really start to pick up with critics until way later down the line. I don't know why. I mean, I, if I had to guess, maybe they were just expecting, because, like, Disney was still going through that phase of, like, all their movies had to be, you know, they, they had some comedy elements, but it was, like, right after Tarzan, so they had to be important. They had to be award-ready and all that sort of stuff. And then there comes this thing, which really has a lot more in common with, like, Looney Tunes than a classic sort yeah, of... Yeah, this was very Chuck Jonesy. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Um, and I love how, and one of the things that I love most about the Emperor's New Groove is that it is like anachronism, the movie, it pays no mind whatsoever to anything resembling historical accuracy whatsoever. No, it's just a cartoon. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. I'm going to fix your mic. Uh, (laughs) Should I just lean in a little more? That's better. (laughs) Yeah. No, it was just driving me crazy. I was getting, like, a really bad echo on it. Oh. Anyway. Okay, so you were saying anachronisms. Yeah, it's anachronism, the movie, basically. Like, it has much more in common with, like, a Looney Tunes cartoon than it does with Beauty and the Beast or something like that. Right, and it doesn't have the musical element, like... Which is not to say, like, those movies weren't all so funny and had, you know, little pop culture references thrown in here and there, but, um... I think Aladdin was the only one. I mean... I mean, Beauty and the Beast, not really. Hercules kind of had some sort of scant references here and there. Well, that was because... That was kind of a precursor to that, if you think about it. It was, and the whole story of um, the Hercules stuff, if you watch Lindsay Ellis, the nostalgia chick, she's not nostalgia chick anymore, but Mm -hmm. um, she does a whole video essay about Hercules, and basically that movie was Disney, like, wanting to cater to product placement. Oh, boy. 
I mean, I see that, but oh boy. And the only reason why Clemens and Musk are the guys behind Aladdin and Little Mermaid and Moana and Princess and the Frog did the movie is because uh, Michael Eisner and Katzenberg were like, oh, if you make Hercules, we will let you make your treasure island in space. Oh boy. So it's a movie all about product placement. You, you know who's good for product placement. Let's get for the art director, fucking Gerald Scarfa. <laughs> the guy behind Pink Floyd, The Wall, and all those creepy British MP caricatures. Well, that that's why, like, everyone... And we're not even talking about Hercules. <laughs> we're supposed to be talking about Emperor's New Groove. Right, but, right. But right, that's right, why right. every everyone in Hercules is kind of sexily drawn. Like, all the women are very... Yeah, they got pursed lips and, like, <laughs> come hither eyes a little yeah. bit. Um, but Emperor's New Groove then became this whole... Yeah. That is not Hercules. That does not have Gerald Scarfe in it making things with five sets of teeth. Now, the script of Emperor's New Groove is just... I am whacking everything. <laughs> the script for Emperor's New Groove is just so tight for something that was so loose. Like, they basically just copied and pasted and, like... I, I want to say, like, scotch tape together a movie <laughs> from mm. nothing. Yeah, I mean, like, watching it again, it really struck me just how fast-paced and, like, just mile-a-minute the jokes were. Like, I was saying Hercules is, like, a precursor to this film. This film feels like a precursor to so many other, like, not in, like, you know, setting or anything, but in, like, the style of comedy. Like, so many different animated features from like DreamWorks and Pixar and Illumination Studios and all that that just sort of came after it. Well, also the whole buddy element, this this kind of felt like this felt a lot like Thor Ragnarok, like that whole buddy cop element. Mm. And it, it felt a lot like Zootopia too. Mm. A like, bit. Yeah, I can see that a little bit. Um but the reason why you're talking about this is specifically, I just want to hear you do Patrick Warburton's <laughs> <laughs> the entire <laughs> Because I know how much you love Kronk. I mean, he's one of the best parts of the film. Is everything ready for tonight? Oh, yeah, I thought we'd start off with soup and a light salad and then see how we feel after that. Not the dinner. Now you know. Oh, right. The poison. The poison for Cusco. The poison chosen specially to kill Cusco. Cusco's poison. He, if, oh. you, if you take Kronk out of the film, you don't have you don't have a good film anymore. Well, that's what's baffling about Kingdom of the Sun. Like, you, you need to have your Iago. You need to have your Cogsworth or Lumiere. Like. That's kind of the funny thing about it now that I think of it, because Kronk is literally only there for comic relief. He doesn't, apart from... Like, he kidnaps, Ku like, he takes Cusco and throws him over the thing, but loses him. But that's really the only major plot, p plot element sort of thing he has. Other than that, it's just Patrick Warburton being delightful. <laughs> I didn't know it was your birthday. <laughs> hey, Peter. Uh, I got a llama. <laughs> I don't know why I settled on that line. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure I've said this on a podcast, on like a previous episode before, but Patrick Warburton is definitely one of those voice actors that really only does one thing, 
but he does it so brilliantly and so well, it doesn't matter. No, it's it like, doesn't. It's like the same reason why studios keep hiring like H. John Benjamin or back when he was alive, the times they got Tony J or someone like that. Or like Phil Hartman. Right. Yeah. Well, like Phil it, Hartman did other things than just... Eh. Well, no, Phil Hartman, like, if you l- listen to Phil Hartman's voice on The Simpsons when he's Troy McClure or Lionel Hutz or even Tom... Uh, he, yeah, I suppose that's it, true. It's all even when he is. Um, uh, oh my God, the guy in the Australia episode, Conover. Because I remember was that. he like the ambassador? Yeah, yeah. Because his name was uh, his name was Conover, and Adam Conover from Adam Ruins Everything. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, got like everyone saying, "Hey, Conover," because of that. Um, no, he's he was always the same voice, and that's what. I feel like that really picked up, like, after he got on The Simpsons, because he did voiceover work before then. Like, um, if you ever saw the old Dennis the Menace cartoon, he was the voice of both Dennis's dad and Mr. Wilson. Was he? Yeah, he was both voices. Like, in the Dennis dad, like in the Dennis voice, he did a very kind of just very typical Phil Hartman voice. And then when he was Mr. Wilson, it was more like this. Oh, get out of my basement, Dennis. I know. I knew that he was the voice of the air conditioner that kills itself in the Brave Little Toaster. He's also the voice of the uh, creepy lampshade in the thrift store. Oh, is he? Yeah, doing uh, doing his best Peter Laurie. Okay, because he's doing uh, Jack Nicholson when he's the 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 uh, AC that commits suicide. <laughs> that needs to come on the bagel basket. Have you have you seen the Brave Little I Toaster? I have. I haven't in a while, but I definitely remember. Jesus that, fucking Christ! I remember that, and I remember the movie actually had some pretty solid songs for a kids' film. Um, yeah, but speaking of songs, you kept making a joke as we were watching it over and over again. Yes. Is this Sting? <laughs> well, I mean, Sting was attached to the original project, and I think there were... Yeah, because his wife was the one who make, made the documentary. If you haven't, have you seen it? I have not seen it. Okay, on YouTube, you can watch a bootleg cut of it. It's called The Sweatbox, and is the most upsetting documentary you'll ever see, because it starts out all happy, like, yeah, we're making Kingdom of the Sun. It's the story of the prince and the pauper told in, you know, Aztec South America. It's going to be brilliant. And then, like, as it goes on, it's like... So we're, um, we're like six weeks out and, um, the studio is interfering and, uh, I don't know if we're going to make our deadline. (laughs) But yeah, but yeah, there was like, like there was sting music left over from the original project. So every now and then I would just sort of chime in as like, is that sting? Um, and, um, and, um, and, um, and I don't, I don't and, think Sting ever actually. I don't, day. I don't think he ever actually popped up until the end credits. Well, they wanted him to play the the theme song guy, and he's like, "No, I'm too old." And then they're like, "Oh yeah, you're let's too get old? someone older." <laughs> What's new, Cusco? Let's get whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's get that singer from the 1960s who now looks like a leather wallet. <laughs> Have you seen Tom Jones lately? Um, not recently. He's one of the judges on the on the London version of The Voice. Oh yeah, he basically looks like a Shepherd Book from Firefly. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, he does not look good. Did not age well, I take it. No. Oh no. But what if like the theme song guy in this when he pops out of the cake, cake, he's exactly like Tom Jones and like an animated cartoon character throws her underwear and he just like. 
twirls it on his finger and throws it back like I'm, Tom Jones. I'm just picturing a more realistic, like, jump out of the cake because, like, I mean, it's a cartoon. He jumps out of the cake and he's, like, singing and dancing. He's I'm just picturing greatest. Tom Jones, like, jumps out of the cake like, he's a just falls over and just topples <laughs> over the cake, leaving, like, a mess of frosting everywhere. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Stop rolling. Stop <laughs> rolling. Are you okay, Tom? I'm fine. <laughs> I'm okay. Uh, Tom Jones is down. Tom Jones is down. He's the Tommy Jonius of the Joneses. Help Tom Jones up. Why are you referring to yourself in the third person? That's just the thing Tom Jones does now. What? <laughs> and then Tommy Lee Jones comes in. Do you know that's the reason why Tommy Lee Jones has to go by Tommy Lee Jones? Because so, of Tom Jones. <laughs> where does uh, Motley Crue drummer Tommy Lee fit into all of this? Well, he had to lose the Jones. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, like, I, I always thought that the opening of this film, like... When I first saw this film, this was not one of my highest um, uh, Disney films. Like, I saw it when I was, like, 13 years old or 12 years old, and I didn't get it. Like, I didn't, like, a lot of the stuff went over my head, hmm. and I didn't find it that funny. And then, I don't, I don't think it was until, like, college when people were, like, watching it all the time. Yeah, it developed quite a cult following. Yeah, like, eventually I ended up loving this movie. I think that was around the time that I first saw it, too. And by that point, like, that was just the right time to watch it and go, how, how did everyone sleep on this? Well, that's how I feel about Titan A.E. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, you don't. don't you, Christian! Don't, don't you turn this into a house of lies. <laughs> Chaos! <laughs> Scott, uh, Scott, you're in over your head. <laughs> I am not inserting that clip. <laughs> I'm in over my head. <laughs> I'm not inserting that clip again. Um, but I, I feel like this... Writer's Bagel Basket listeners, hashtag over my head if you want him to insert the clip. <laughs> the, that podcast long, after, <laughs> long after this episode has been published. Go back and re-edit it <laughs> after I have to fix the audio because... Yes, you can you can release it as the director's cut. Yeah, so, so we're in the actual Bagel Basket office now, um, but... There still needs to be stuff put in here to, to keep the echo down. <laughs> um, so I'm probably going to be fixing this like hell in post. Because <laughs> um, when you have to fix stuff in post, it's a pain in the ass. So uh, what I hate the most when I saw this the first time, I didn't understand some of the jokes. I didn't. I was like, oh, why does Kronk want to be a short order cook? Like, Like the whole aspect of Kronk wanting to cook I didn't get and then now today I'm like oh he has dreams and hopes of something <laughs> of a better life he's not just a blithering idiot because you never understood why like a character would want to like when they're a hench person they're just supposed to hench like that's from like cartoons growing up right a hench person is a hench person like I mean, even without that kind of aspect, too, like, the way the rest of the humor in this film is set up, like, it just, it just, it takes a while to just sort of appreciate that kind of surrealness of just like, oh, okay, I guess he's doing this now. 
That's funny. Yeah, this film is a slow burn. Mm. This is a slow, slow burn. And the film is so fast. And you could tell where, like, they had to, like, hurry up and get this film done. Because there are certain scenes where the backgrounds are very... I don't want to call them, like, South Parky backgrounds. But, like, um, when Cusco is running from the... <laughs> the Jaguars. <laughs> or um, as uh, John Goodman called it, Jaguars. The Jaguars. Look out for the Jaguars. <laughs> the Jaguars. Um... The, the background of him running across the, the cliff scene is just the same shot, and it's not even a very detailed, like, background of the, the countryside. It's, it's beautiful. It looks beautiful, but it's more, like, abstract. Right. I would also say there are points where, like, just to build on what you said about, you know, needing to reach a deadline— Certain parts of the film felt like... Like, it's already a very fast-paced film at times. And there are certain points where it's just, like, way too fast. Like, it's just, oh, now now here's a big emotional moment. But now we're over here now. Like, I was specifically thinking about the time when, like, Cusco and Pacha are reunited after, like, Cusco discovers, um, like, Yzma and Kronk were out to kill him all along. It's just this big sort of emotional, like, are we friends again? Yes, we're friends again. Okay, it's running time. Run, 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 run. Um, also, there were there, there's certain things that I felt like they did just for, like, posterity's sake. Um, I felt like they, they needed... Um, what is Potch's wife's name? I'm just going to call her Wendy Malick. Uh, <laughs> was that who voiced her? Yeah, it's Wendy Malick. Mm. Who that's, was that's also... I, I genuinely do not remember her name. Who was also on Just Shoot Me with David Spade. Mm. But I feel like they're like, oh, we're going to be cutting edge because she's pregnant. Hooray! Then let's not really give her that much to do. She's funny as hell. Yeah, she's funny when she's on screen. And I guess she does, like, you know, help that one time. But on the whole, she's just kind of there to just sort of make uh, Pacha look more, you know, family friendly. I disagree. I agree and I disagree because they're like when when she is talking to the kids in the bedroom, she is very, you know, motherly. But she also she kind of knows better, too. Hmm. I just I like her character a lot. I th- Fair I th- enough. Um, what I couldn't stand um, that they gave this character nothing to really do is the old you threw off his groove guy because it's John Fielder. It's John Fielder who who was the voice of Piglet and... Um, he was in Twilight Zone a couple times. He kind of talks like this. He was on the old Bob Newhart show. The, the original one, not Newhart. Right. Um, I mean, I... I definitely get the feeling that he pretty much existed just to be, like, a joke character. But what what would you have had him do if he had a bigger role? Oh, I would have had him be in uh, one of the guys when when Pacha returns. Mm. Like, when he's talking to his neighbors, oh, hi, Cliff, hi, blah, blah, blah. Oh, uh, hey, Pacha, there were uh, two guys, uh, two people who were looking for you. They went to your house. 
Like, I would have had him be with those guys. Would have had him be in the diner. I would have made him, like, did you watch Avatar The Last Airbender? I have not seen Avatar The Last Airbender. I've heard it's really good. I haven't seen it. There's a character called Cabbage Man. Like, he, he has a cabbage cart, and, like, something always happens, and his cabbage cart gets destroyed, or it runs away from him, and he goes, my cabbages! And he just shows up everywhere. I would have had him be like that guy. Like, somehow he was always, like, throwing off someone's rhythm. <laughs> so you want to make him into Hans Molman? Very good. <laughs> oh, no, my brains. <laughs> Chicken, biscuits. <laughs> Sir, that's the wine menu. Very good. <laughs> yeah, I would make him totally a Hans Molman type. I'm sorry you threw off his good. Come with us. <laughs> This isn't my house. <laughs> um, also, is it bad that there's a character in there that I kind of wanted his backstory? The the guy who gets turned into a cow. <laughs> like, like I would love to see what if it like did like a Rick and Morty and he go when he goes, hey, I've been turned into a cow. Can I go home? Yes, you can go home. Does anyone else need to go home? <laughs> but like it just followed him. Honey. Well, that, that's the thing. Would it then turn into, would it then become like a cheesy 80s sitcom premise like my dad, the cow sort of thing? Or would it just become like, you know, just really dark and depressing? Like, oh, my God, our parental figure's a cow. How will we provide for our family now? Like a Spike Jones movie. <laughs> like, I, w I would love to. That would be a Spike Jones movie now that I think of it. Or uh, Charlie Kaufman, maybe. Yeah, I would. I would totally love to see that movie. Who who would play the dad cow in that movie? The dad cow. Um, if you listen to another podcast, uh, the boot, they rebooted this. They and you and I are gonna go through who we right. picked to be in this. Um, but uh, I tweeted at them that I would have made Barry Pepper. <laughs> That guy, um, because from uh, he of Battlefield Earth. Yeah, well, on on their podcast, they love Barry Pepper, so they just insert him in to um, as a character part, and they picked like Barry Pepper. I think they picked him to be the throw off the groove guy. Uh -huh. um, but I tweeted at them. I was like, I would make him the cow guy. But seriously, a whole movie, probably Sam Rockwell. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> I could probably see that. Um, if it was a drama. Yeah. If it was a comedy, uh, probably Chris Pratt. No, it's Chris Pratt as a cow dad? Come on. <laughs> cow dad. <laughs> With a soundtrack by Shaquille O'Neal. Um, yep, that's going to go straight to the bottom. <laughs> or MC Hammer. Um, yeah, I, I just... There, there's certain things that, like, the jokes... I could I could spend an entire movie at that diner when they go to the diner. That's my favorite scene in the entire movie. Yeah, that's that's a good part. I mean, it's hard to like pin down, you know, so, like there are just so many jokes a mile a minute, but like the diner is very solid is a very solid like piece of comedy right there. And I feel like that's where like Patrick Warburton really shines cuz uh the waitress is giving the entire order and she's like you got that hon and then he just goes into like full cronk mode 
Well, I think what's 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 funny is that the whole setup is like the chef just abruptly quits, and now Kronk is the chef, and he's clearly out of his depth until like the waitress just sort of like rolls rattles off all these things, and then all of a sudden Kronk is just out of nowhere, all this diner lingo. Where did all that come? How long have you been sitting on that, Kronk? Well, Kronk, like he's a good he's a good chef because he makes. You know, dinner for Yzma, I guess, every night. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's kind of it's kind of teased at early on. Yeah, and the spinach puffs, which I sent out a photo on our Instagram, and I made the spinach puffs. Those were damn good spinach puffs, I will say, too. Thank you. I used uh, Andrew Ray from Binging with Babish. I used Babish's mm. uh, recipe. They turned out great. Um, Hashtag but- Writer's Bagel Babish if you want him on the episode <laughs> of Writer's Bagel Basket. I would totally hashtag Writer's you guys Bagel can do, You bagel guys can babish. do an episode of Frasier or something. Oh, I would totally have him on to talk about Chef. Oh, that, that, that'd be a good one. Oh, yeah. If, if Andrew Ray wants to come on the podcast, you can. You, I love binging with Babish. I, I love, love binging him. with Babish, too. I would totally have him on. Hashtag writer's bagel babish. <laughs> I'm sorry. I keep forcing all of these social media terms onto you. <laughs> it's fine. You're going to have to, like, email me or text me, like, the all, all of the hashtags for me to put in there. I've already forgotten the first one I did. Like, hashtag, I forget. Hashtag, I forget if you remember which one I said earlier. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I, I just... There's something about Kronk, and I know they did, like, a direct-to-DVD sequel called Kronk's New Groove. Yeah, I haven't seen that one, because I frankly don't trust that it'll be all that good. Well, do you know where, like, the term groove really came in? Like, the whole idea of the Emperor's New Groove? Um, not really. From an R-rated movie, how Stella got her groove back. Really? That's a reference to that? Yes. Like, groove became, like, the way... And, and groove is a term for basically saying, uh, how Stella got her groove back is, is a.k.a. how Stella got divorced from her husband, was in a sexual rut for a couple of years, went but to now, Jamaica... Now she, and now she fucking... Yeah. Yeah, she, she basically started banging Tay Diggs. <laughs> like, that's... That's what that movie's about. I mean, that's kind of a deep-ish reference, especially for, like, a child- what should ostensibly be a children's movie. Well, that's just what groove meant. Like, mm. like so, so basically, it's like getting jiggy with it. So, like, like it would be like how the emperor got jiggy with it. <laughs> like, so, the emperor's new groove is... So, so basically, is, is Cusco going to go have an affair with... Uh, with, with Bodge's wife, with Wendy Malick. Would this be um, pre? Would this be uh, post or during Llama? Either way, I'm not a fan. <laughs> Ew. Um, probably not into post, it. but yeah. Um, I just there's something about this movie that I love, but I do see the flaws in it. Oh yeah. Yeah, like. Uh, I mean, I tried to look for flaws this time around just so, like, I wouldn't be wouldn't give this a perfect score because this might just be one of my all-time favorite Disney films. But, I mean, let, let's hear what you had to say. Maybe something will come to me. Um, okay. So here's the thing. In the beginning, the, the whole... Uh, 
the way the film opens is not like any Disney movie. It opens on, you know, Pacha, not Pacha, Cusco as a llama in the woods crying. Mm. That's very out of Disney, and that's what I liked. However, when when it goes into the actual movie, I think this is like the meanest protagonist we've ever had in a Disney mm. film. Yeah, that's he's, true. He's a dick. Mm. He's a major dick. And it I always had to have trouble with David Spade movies because David Spade movies, his character is always a douchebag. Mm. Um, like, oh, what's the line? When he's going through the wives, the brides, and he's like, no, hate your hair. Let me guess. You have a great personality. Like, so mean. And there, I mean, like, this is going through a line of perfectly normal looking people, too. Yeah, honestly, I think they just used the templates from um, uh, the the muses from Hercules. <laughs> but I just felt like I don't like when a character starts off mean and like the whole premise of the movie is he needs to like Ebenezer Scrooge it and mm. learn a they, lesson. They need to be humbled. Right. Which I get it. Mm. But there are better ways to do it. I mean, they probably, now that you mention it, they probably could have taken more pains to make him somewhat, like, uh, sympathetic before, like, you know, really digging in on all the transformed into a llama stuff. Right, like, they try to make him seem approachable when he, when he's, like, peasants, right? Like, when Yzma is, is overstepping her bounds and, like, having the peasant executed and you just hear a voice... And but then he just turns into a, a dick. Same mm. thing happens when Pacha comes and he's like, there he is, my main man, my principal dude, my 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 village guy. I mean, that really just strikes me more as like, you know, just a smarmy kind of asshole middle manager type sort of like, thing. That, like uh, Jeremy Piven on uh, like on, uh, uh, what's that show? Entourage. Entourage. Right. Yeah. There he is. There's my guy. We're going to go get you in a movie. You want right. to be a star? Something like that. I mean, why? What, what's so, like, is there anything that really sticks out to you? Um, I mean, I definitely kind of agree with you now that you point that out. I mentioned earlier that, like, the film seems, like, really faster paced in parts than it really needs to be. Like, I mean, I know they had a deadline that they were kind of aware they weren't going to make, so... Maybe just, like, something to, like, slow things down a little bit during certain parts. I don't know. I feel like they could have done more with with um, Pacha's family. You think so? I do. Hmm. Like what? Uh, I, just, I, I feel like as soon as... Um, I would have loved to see Yzma and Kronk come for the first time like when they when they're actually there i love to see like how they got there how she let them into the house hmm. you know all that junk yeah because i mean they they're not really they don't really strike you as the kind of people that you would just like oh they they just came in from off the street they must be nice they must be nice strangers let's let them in and eat all of our stuff Right, right, and and also because Isma does not look friendly in the slightest. As as soon as like Wendy Malick started talking, like I even remember this from when I was a kid. When she started talking, I was like, "Oh my god, that's Wendy Malick!" And like because I always watched Just Shoot Me, I always watched that show. I loved it. Um, 
and I knew who it was, and I love her voice, and I just loved how much warmth she had. I loved how, like, her character kind of looks like her, um, and John Goodman's character looks exactly like John Goodman. Oh, yeah, they, they based that entirely off of John Goodman, for sure. Which is weird that they didn't make... Um, oh, in that documentary, in the Sweatbox documentary, they're like, yeah, and we kind of uh, based Cusco's design after David Spade. I was like, no, no, you, no, you did not. If anything, he looks more like Owen Wilson with the nose and everything. He does kind of look like Owen Wilson. Well, apologies for, to Owen Wilson, but you know you have a, a nose that, that's very distinct. That does, that does remind me, like, at one point we were just kind of riffing back and forth when we... Like, we pointed out the similarities between John Goodman and, like, Pacha, and I basically brought up, like, it really just seems like almost every movie John Goodman is in, you just eventually start thinking, like, this movie's like, what if John Goodman were an Inca? And sad. <laughs> what if John Goodman was a monster? And sad. <laughs> what if John Goodman beat up a Ferrari? And wasn't sad, but angry. <laughs> Oh, what was the, the other one that I was thinking? What of? if John Goodman murdered a Christian cult? Oh, <laughs> what if John Goodman was a one-eyed member of the Ku Klux Klan? <laughs> oh boy! What if John Goodman was the Great Bambino? <laughs> what if John Goodman allowed his friend to kidnap children? <laughs> Oh, I was about to say racing episode. <laughs> what if John Goodman just said yabba dabba do for a couple of hours? What if John Goodman was king and fat? Because that's, that's the joke. What if John Goodman didn't like spiders? Hashtag what if John Goodman. Stop that. Are these hashtags or shirts? I don't know. What if John Goodman... <laughs> Now I just want to make that shirt with, like, a silhouette of John Goodman's face. Just shrugging. Yeah. Just shrugging John Goodman. It's like, I'm John Goodman, I'm on a shirt. What if John Goodman kept Mary Elizabeth Winstead in a fallout shelter for two hours um, and was angry and sad and sexually frustrated? <laughs> but yeah, Which reminds us of the Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> Man, I think he wants to bang that llama. <laughs> like, like the scene, the scene when uh, when he goes back when he's talking to the field of llamas. Um, oh no, it's before then. Uh, when Cusco is cold, I said to you um, when he brings Cusco the, uh, or when Cusco brings him back the 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 sweater or what is it? There's, there's like a poncho or something. Yeah. yeah. A pacha poncho. Or a serape. Uh, when, when he brings back the poncho. Like it just fades to black and you were just basically just like, and then they had sex. <laughs> well, no, no. I was saying like their conversation the morning after was was like like a one night stand conversation. Was oh, like, yeah. Was there like, was like you've got to pay close attention to it. But there is so much subtle sexual bro tension between Pacha and Cusco. Yeah, th thanks for the thanks for the the sweater. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, is that wool? Um, alpaca. <laughs> Why does your John Goodman sound like Harold Ramis? <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, I thought my it was starting to sound like Ray Romano a little Same bit. Same thing. <laughs> oh, <Debra>. <laughs> Hello, where's, my, where's my poncho? Hello, Raymond. Oh. 
No, but like that that entire scene when he brings back the stuff and right, it's very like so. Uh, yeah, last night was fun. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it was. Uh, so I'm gonna go get breakfast now. Uh, you can leave whenever you want. All right. Uh, hmm? oh, I, I, um, I, no, nothing. Uh, mm. bye. <laughs> like, like, M- money's on the stand. <laughs> You want me to call you an Uber? No, I'm 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 good. <laughs> Jesus Christ, the money's you, you on sure the... it's it's gonna rain. I'm I'm fine. <laughs> uh, Alabaster will probably be looking for me. <laughs> Him and his pimp shoes. <laughs> Yo, where's my bitch at? <laughs> um. <laughs> No, I just that entire that entire exchange set the entire tone for the movie. Like they had time to just slow it down a little bit for a scene like that. You could have thrown like another two or three of those in there. Yeah, there weren't a lot of those because this is only a seventy-eight minute movie. Right. They could have got it to a to an even ninety minutes. Yeah. Then you, would have had, had, then you would have had a much more standard sort of film length time. Yeah, and then it wouldn't make the entire battle at the end where. It wouldn't make the whole thing seem rushed. Right. Because when they, they finally do get back to the, the kingdom, there's this entire, like, morphing war, I'm going to call it. <laughs> oh, yes, it's morphing time indeed. Yeah, I just... With the requisite cow dad joke. <laughs> cow dad. <laughs> Walter, why don't you want to be with me anymore? I'm a cow, Marion. I wish it were that simple, but I'm a cow. It's I'm a goddamn cow. And you're an utter disappointment. <laughs> why, 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 would you, why would you do this? Why would you, why would you know that I'm a cow? Why would you exactly no. know that I'm a cow? I'm, I'm clear. You always have to fight with me like this. No, I'm no, to, no, no, you're, no. You're hectoring me again. No, you always, no, no. You always Don't hector me. You always, you always no. hector me when I'm a cow. No. No. Anyway, <laughs> I, we we've done that joke so many times, and it never gets old. I love the whisper fight. <laughs> we even did it on jukebox. Zero. I know. <laughs> no, no, that was on the. Oh right, it was that the was Moulin on Rouge. The, yeah, that was. We the, were just no, in your nope, studio. That was the Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Oh, Moulin Rouge. Spoilers Com- coming soon. <laughs> um, but I'm not making you sit through that. So Thank you. you're welcome. Th- that's a Thank film. you for not making me sit through cocaine fairy Kylie Minogue screaming in Ozzy Osbourne's voice. <laughs> All aboard. Um, yeah, I, I just th- there are certain things. I is it, am I the only person in the world? Everyone says how great Isma is. I can't stand Eartha Kitt. Really? I. I mean, what? I would only agree with you. If she wasn't voiced by Eartha Kitt, because she injects so much, like, character into that character. But every time Eartha Kitt talks, I just feel like every line that she says should be followed with a Batman. (laughs) Because that's Eartha Kitt to me. Like, she's Catwoman. I mean, that's fair, but I I disagree. I fucking love Yzma. That's literally why they turn her into a cat. Yeah, that that makes that makes the absolute most amount of sense. <laughs> I win. Mean.
Now, now if it was Barbara Streisand, what would they turn her into? Um, <laughs> good question. Uh, a duck? <laughs> Quack. <laughs> I'm not sure why I went with duck, but... I don't know. But, I mean... She hasn't really been in a lot of animal things. I just... This movie... I, I feel like I'm the only person who wanted to see The Kingdom of the Sun... I'm so damn curious what it would have looked like. I still want this movie because I love this movie. But the more I did the research on on Kingdom of the Sun in prep for this movie, the more I wanted to see what that that, like train wreck would have been like. Yeah. If anything, having seen this movie has made me curious about what could have been. And just to like, you know, would it have been as good as this? Probably not, but... Still, you gotta wonder. Well, in that documentary, there's footage of both David Spade and Owen Wilson wow. <laughs> together in a in the the sound booth recording together, mm-hmm. and they even do like when they meet for the first time. At the same time, they go wow, <laughs> and, and and Owen Wilson's wow is wow, <laughs> and uh, David Spade's is like ha 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 whoa. <laughs> 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 so I would have I would pairing <laughs> yeah because they don't go together at all except they're both blonde men <laughs> pretty much both that, blonde? Re- that really is the only like joining thread between David Spade and Owen Wilson that well also they both like they had very famous um uh dating histories and stuff like that like David Spade's uh, that's another issue that I have with Cusco. Like, knowing what I know about David Spade, David Spade has dated everyone from Jenny McCarthy to Heather Locklear to, um... The list goes on Eartha and on. Eartha Kid. <laughs> Eartha. <laughs> wow, David. Oh. <laughs> you were incredible last night. You went for minutes. <laughs> Um, just like knowing what a big like playboy David Spade is and having him in this movie it's just like once again going back to that scene that scene just reminded me of oh this is just David Spade yeah that does have pretty unfortunate implications (laughs) so and I I would have loved for it to um and with him actually getting a bride, like like you 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 see at when they actually have their pool party at the end, mm. like he 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 picked the girl who has a great personality. <laughs> she does have a great personality. That that pool party, by the way, just felt like. Or I've been talking about precursors this whole time. That felt like the earliest precursor of like every. Sony Entertainment Animation or Illumination Media sort of thing where they just end it with a big dance party. Illumination! <laughs> uh, Sony, yes and no. Uh, Into the Spider-Verse does not end with a giant dance party. What? I didn't mean every single one, just Yes, you did. That, yes, you did. That's put words in my mouth. Why did you went on full Alan Rickman? <laughs> don't, don't, I don't do know. that, Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Where uh, do you think you're going with that fish? <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, 
I, I can definitely see why that pool party feels that way. Like, there should have been minions. Illumination! <laughs> no, no, there definitely should not have been minions. Yeah, and I, if you listen to the words of the song, they bring back the Tom Jones song, and it's like, he's humble now and not so dickish. <laughs> Wait a minute, this is a kid's movie. Now he doesn't have a cake to jump out of, though. So he's just there. Yeah, I love... Um, Maybe he should have popped out of the pool. Or the bird feeder. <laughs> Just, I've been holding my breath for five hours <laughs> waiting for this song. What's new, Cusco? Whoa, 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 whoa. Um, the, the choices that they picked for, like, some of the people in this movie to have, like, Tom Jones in it and Wendy Malick and, like, have very obscure actors in this movie. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, that could possibly also be part of why it didn't do so well commercially. Yeah, because this was at a time period where... where you needed famous people to sell your animated films. Right. I mean, the biggest names in that at the time were probably John Goodman and David Spade. Yeah. And I don't know if they're, like, leading roles or anything like that. No, because John Goodman probably... Oh, this was the same time as Zoe Brother, so... Oh, yeah? So, Oh Brother, uh, two years before, was Big Lebowski, Spade, of course, Tommy Boy, Black Sheep, and I think this was the time that he did that movie... Um, lost and found hmm. with Sophie Marceau where he kidnaps her dog <laughs> to get her to fall in love with him um, just the 90s were interesting it was a different time it was a simpler time <laughs> yeah so but I do feel like this film did not get the credit it deserved like yes oh, yeah. flaws aside there are many flaws but it got nominated for a song that was written for Kingdom of the Sun. Hmm. It did not get nominated for this movie. They they put that song in at the end credits because they just needed to, to honor their contract with hmm. Sting. And it wasn't even, like, at the very beginning of the credits. It was like that song, like, the credits are wrapping up. Yep. And it's not a song that had any connection to the final product whatsoever, either. Yeah, like, everything in that song, my funny friend... Everything leading up to it was bright and colorful and just wacky and having a great time, and then all of a sudden, here's this solemn sting ballad. Yeah, and but that was... The events that happened in that song are the events that happened in Kingdom of the Sun. Hmm. Like, I look at him, and he looks like me, like... Wait a minute. He looks nothing like John Goodman. Unless he's singing about himself. Yeah, something like that. I look at him. It's a llama face. Tearing down the rainforest. Don't do that. I'm saying, don't tear down the rainforest. Gonna build a pool. Build it on a hill. This of the tantric. Every Cusco step with his llama paws. Every joke he makes, everything he breaks. Potch is watching you. <laughs> oh, uh, can't you see? Uh, sting jokes. <laughs> Hashtag sting jokes. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Oh uh, man, we could have gone <laughs> so lonely. Oh <laughs> uh, man, 
Oh, if he only knew things were only going to get worse. <laughs> well, after this, after he... You're telling me in a couple of years I'm going to do a collaborative album with Shaggy? That's ridiculous. Well, he did the... Oh, no. He, the fortune teller was right. He, he did the, the soundtrack for Cold Mountain with him, Elvis Costello, and Alison Krauss. That had Elvis Costello in it? Yeah. But, um... Okay. Yeah. Interesting choices all around. He... They got Sting because he was the only one who has... Um, what's one of those things that, that, like, uh... It makes music, but you, you've... A hurdy-gurdy? Yeah. That's the only reason? Yeah, he had, like, this weird, like, Irish-style hurdy-gurdy, and... And uh, Alison Krauss sang a song, and it was nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> yeah, let's let's get Sting and Elvis Costello. That'll be perfect for our Civil War movie. I made a movie about a talking llama. <laughs> oh, Sting! Poor Sting! Poor, poor Sting! Every little llama step is magic. <laughs> Is this literally how we're going to spend the rest of the podcast? No. Making sting jokes? No. Making hashtag sting jokes? Stop that. <laughs> no, it's just like everything about this movie is great, but there are things that don't make sense. Like, how the hell did Yzma get back before they did? I mean, I don't think that matters because the film lampshades that pretty pretty handily. I mean, there are, uh, like, the recurring jokes that they do. Um, I love that they brought back... Uh, when when Kronk and Isma go through their little roller coaster, they're in certain outfits. So then when um, Pacha and um, Cusco go through it, they're wearing the same exact clothes as them. I like that callback. Right. Um. There was there was kind of even a subtle dig at Disney themselves, like because at one point after Isma gets transformed into a cat, she's just falling down the temple which is a very typical Disney villain way to death to die and then all, all of a sudden there's a trampoline for the last time we did not order a giant trampoline you know pal you could have told me that before I set it up <laughs> for the last time we didn't order a trampoline that's a very Chuck Jonesy style joke. Oh yeah, totally. Um, I mean, another anachronism, by the way. But I do feel like this film was overlooked in certain capacities. Oh, absolutely. Like, like it, this wasn't just snubbed award wise. This was also snubbed. Like Disney does not talk about this movie. You can't find. You can find at Disney World and Disneyland merchandise for everything under the sun, even Meet the Robinsons. But you can't find. Any Disney stuff oh, for... Yeah, sure. Meet the Robinsons. That beloved Disney property, Meet the Robinsons. And, and you can totally... You could have totally made a ride out of this. Yeah, I mean, like... Replace uh, racist Splash Mountain. <laughs> Just make that Cusco-topia. Seriously. Or, or even that ride that they have, like... Like, a pull the lever... <laughs> I mean, both uh, my girlfriend Susan and I pretty much agree that Kuzco is one of the best Disney princesses. <laughs> uh, he is, if you think about it. Explain, please. You can't okay. just say that and not go into Okay, deep. he's royalty. Mm-hmm. Disney princess. 
He does have a talking animal sidekick, which is himself. Yep. And he's saved by Prince Charming, except it's not a prince. It's John Goodman. <laughs> I'm a cuddler. And there's, you know, latent sexual tension between the two of them. Yeah, I'm a cuddler. <laughs> yeah. Goose goes to Disney Princess. <laughs> um, I, I will not falter on this. I will... Okay, so you had a Dreamcast. Who is your Dreamcast for a live-action version? Oh, we're doing this now? Well, you wanted to, and it's been about an hour that I've had you tied to this chair. Uh, <laughs> if you could, like, just kind of loosen the straps a little bit. I, I promise I won't leave. I just I'm really just going to make them a little tighter. Uh, oh, that's the opposite of what I wanted. And uh, there we go. Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, I mentioned when we started watching this, like, I had the Dreamcast idea. And I told you, um, that the boot... Yeah, not, not a Sega Dreamcast, mind you. <laughs> Shout out to Brian Flynn and Kenna. <laughs> um, Are they the, Ken, boot, the boot guys? Uh, boot guy and girl. Ah. Kenna Trent and Brian Flynn. All right. Um, but they casted, uh, one of them casted Michael Pena as, uh... Pacha. Mm. So let's hear your cast. Right. After you told me about that, it really kind of made me rethink my cast a no, bit. Just go with your so cast. it's probably it's probably not as good as theirs by any stretch. I would like parse it by saying like there's no reason to remake this. It's already great, but if there was a remake using more modern stuff, um in Cusco's role, I would do Drew Tarver from Bajillion Dollar Properties. Okay, is he on the TV show Shrink? Is he on Shrink also? No, that's Tim Baltz, who is okay. also in a bajillion dollar properties. I think Drew Tarver's also going to have a show on uh, Comedy Central coming up soon. He was like a recurring, he did like a recurring role on How I Met Your Mother for at one point. He's like really big podcast comedian. He's in. Uh, Which character it, was he on, on How I Met Your Mother? I don't know. I just saw he was in How I Met Your Mother a couple episodes. Okay. But yeah, Drew Tarver, really funny. Um, if not, like, my original choice was going to be Charlie Day, but I think I'd rather go with Drew Tarver. <laughs> or is that a little too depraved? No, no. Do you have a Dreamcast, too? Like, did you want to go back and forth? Um, I need to think about it. Oh, okay. So, um, so you go through yours. For Pacha, I kind of wanted to mix stuff up a little bit. And, like, the one through line I thought of was... Pacha should be someone who can be warm, but at the same time really boisterous. So I'm going to go, like, twist and obscure and go Gary Anthony Williams. I love Gary Anthony Williams. He's so good. I, lo <laughs> I love him in um, uh, Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle. Mm. What's the, the he's in uh, I'm Sorry, too, right? Yeah, he's great on I'm Sorry. Yeah, so good. Um, for Yzma, Yzma and Kronk were very tough because... Mm -hmm. It's damn near impossible to replace Eartha Kitt and Patrick Warburton. So my choices are automatically not going to be as good. But for Yzma and Kronk, I would say respectively Maya Rudolph and Eugene Cordero. It's so funny that you went with Maya Rudolph because on the boot, they picked Maya Rudolph for Pacha's wife. Really? Yeah. I didn't have a pick for Pacha's wife because she left literally no impression on me. <laughs> Um, I, I can't remember if one of them picked Maya Rudolph for Yzma also. Um, but I know they went with Tandy Newton for Yzma. Oh, yeah? Um, so my dream cast, I would, I'm going to go with Dave Franco for, for Cusco. Interesting pick. Because you need to have a handsome young prince who's kind, who can be kind of a dick. 
So hang on, would yours still be animated or would it be a live action version? Probably a live action. Oh, mine probably will only work animated then. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm, why not? Uh, Eugene Cordero from... Um, he was, he was also in Bajillion Dollar but Properties. But he's also he's, on uh, The Good Place, right? Yeah, and he uh, he's, he voices, uh, I forget his name, the postman character in Steven Universe. Oh, okay. Um, so my my Pacha, I want someone who is big and boisterous, and I'm probably... Oh, Gary Anthony Williams is a great choice. <laughs> um, oh, my God. I, I can't remember his name, but... Um, I don't have my phone on me. Um, oh, Cedric. Um, Cedric the Entertainer? No, no, no. <laughs> Cedric Ced- Yarbrough? Cedric Yarbrough, that's, yeah. That's a good pick, too. Yeah, because I, I watch Speechless. I love Speechless, and he is great on Speechless. Cedric Yarbrough. He was also it, on the Boondocks. <laughs> have you ever heard him and John DiMaggio and Gary Anthony Williams? They, they improv as... Was, they, that, was that part of the I Know That Voice yep, documentary? Yep. Yeah, that was I've I've seen that. It's been a while since I've seen that, but I remember like a while back I saw like a video clip from Rob Paulson's podcast Talking Tunes, mm-hmm. where basically um, him and Gary Anthony Williams in characters as Pinky and Uncle Uncle Ruckus basically do the argument clinic sketch. Yeah, from I tagged Python. you on that. Oh right, right. Yeah. You shared it to me. Okay. Yeah, I tagged you on that on Facebook. Um. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so my my Isma, uh, I, I was going through all these actresses, but I would probably I go with Octavia Spencer. That's an interesting choice. Um, because I want someone who is angry and sassy and Octavia Spencer checks those boxes for you. <laughs> well, I want someone who who just looking at you, you could tell she would kill you. She would destroy you. <laughs> You know who would probably fill that role, too, now that I think of it? Oprah. The, Great, now Oprah's you know going to have a skill. You know, you know who else would? Uh, I was thinking Angela Bassett. Yeah, I I, I kind of want Angela Bassett, but but I, I just, I, I would love to meet Octavia Spencer, so. <laughs> All um, right. And uh, going back to the boot they picked, they both picked Batista to be Kronk. <laughs> um, I mean... He could probably pull that off for a live-action one. But I'm, I'm all, honest... All going solely on how well he does Drax. I, I'm going to go with uh, Chris Hemsworth as Kronk. Mm, that he, one I'm not sure I see so much. Well, have you seen him in... Uh, well, you've seen Ragnarok, right? I have not seen Ragnarok. He, he is, he is I am woefully as, behind on Marvel he movies. He is funny as hell. Oh, yeah? And the type of, of Thor that he's become now, Thor is just a big, dumb, handsome god now. And he cracks jokes. And He's, he's a meathead? Mo- yeah, he's more like his character in Ghostbusters and Lady Ghostbusters. As I uh, call which I also have not seen. Um, and uh, so I'm actually going to cast Potch's wife. Okay. And I'm going to go with... Um, Tracy Ellis Ross from Who's that? from Blackish. Okay. She, um she's Diana Ross's daughter. Okay, I still don't know who that is. She's funny as hell. Okay. <laughs> I'm supposed to pick someone you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, because you, I mean I, uh, you you didn't know who Drew Tarver was. That that is true. So yeah, I mean this film is great. Um and uh 
shout out to the boot once again because uh, I don't want you guys thinking that I stole your formula. Um, Hashtag writers boot basket. I, I have been talking to them. I do want them to do a crossover with me. Very cool. Yeah. Um, now you have a hashtag for it. <laughs> hashtag writer's boot basket. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Now that we've come to the end of this, how many bagels? How many bagels? Um, it's uh, the more bagels you leave in, like the, be- like the better it is, right? Yes, you've been on this I, podcast I should, six I've times. I've been on this podcast six times by now. I should know this anyway. Um, yeah, I just want to point out you've only had me on your podcast three times. Just, just saying. Just saying. You, don't you shame me. No, I'm going to. Don't. Why, why are you doing this now? The podcast Corey is Feldman. The oh, Corey Feldman. You always say that when you want to win. Anyway. <laughs> My um, brain melted. <laughs> so, um... The amount of bagels. I'm going to say uh, out of 13 bagels, I will leave 11 bagels in. Me too. Hey, hand-holding club. Oh. For pretty much all the reasons that we described, but I feel like there's so there's such minimal problems that, you know, they're not worth putting in, like, you know, taking that many bagels out. Yeah, and this film came out in December, which was perfect award season time. Right. I just feel like this film was snubbed from the world. Mm. And... It really doesn't get enough credit. Do you think if there was an animated, like, like a like animate best animated film category at the Oscars, do you think it would have won? Because we were talking about this after we finished watching, and there were some pretty, like, big, like, or at least critically big animated films that came out at the same time. Honestly, I feel like that year Dinosaur would have won because of, even though it's not that great of a film, it they would have said it was impressive for what they did with computer generation. Mm. Um, you don't think it would have gone to Prince of Egypt? Prince of Egypt, I, w- I was looking back, that was 99. Oh, okay. So, so this would have been, the nominees would have been Rotel Dorado. Oh, that was it. That was the one. Uh, Rotel Dorado, yeah, that, that might have won. Rotel Dorado, this, and... Um, Whatchamacallit? Dinosaur. Uh, dinosaur. But I feel like because of the the look and what they accomplished in 2000 with, with you know, computer generation, I feel like Dinosaur would have won. Yeah, I mean, now that you mentioned that, Dinosaur probably would have been the winner just on the spectacle alone because, like, none of those movies were, like, big critical sensations or anything like that. Wow, when I thought, like, Prince of Egypt was in there, that actually was a pretty critically acclaimed film. On, honestly, actually, I think this this was around the time, like, where Princess Mononoke was released in America. Oh, that would have been, or, that or, been pretty good. Or um, there was probably a Miyazaki movie that, was, that came out at that time, mm. like Grave of the Fireflies or something. <laughs> like, I don't think the Grave of the Fireflies was much earlier. Was it? I, I, it was, like... Early 90s, late 80s, I think? No, I thought it was early 2000s because no? Roger Ebert did it on, on uh, Ebert and Roper in the movies. I don't remember. I mean, Siskel was already gone by that time. So. Yeah, that'll be perfect if you want to make the critics cry. <laughs> if you want to make the Oscar committee weep openly. Just give it to them. But hey, it's me over here, David Spade, with a great personality. Boom, baby. Probably not. I mean, there's been so many Oscars with Best Animated Feature, and they still don't take that category seriously. They literally invented it 
the category, so Shrek would win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so now that we've come to the end, next time, if you want to keep up with us and watch a film that we will be doing, oh God. <sighs> so much i hate this movie so much so we're doing symbol of a dub dub but then in between we're gonna be this was nominated in the film that will be kicking off this is nominated will be moulin rouge which is a film that i can't stand Mm, bag lunchman rides again yeah you're lucky i didn't have you do that one so i i have a friend of yours yep who uh, I'll let him introduce himself next time he's here, but we have a lot planned for this month um, where everyone else is going on break. I will continue to fight the good fight of podcasting. Mm. So, Lee, thanks for being here. Do you want to plug anything? Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I guess go check out uh, mine and Pat Berry's uh, podcast, Jukebox Zeros. Uh, we're moving from Podbean to Spreaker as part of our recruitment to the Zero Science Network of podcasts. And uh, just a while ago, Pat and I and a couple other New England local artists and bands put out a tribute to uh, the album With Sympathy by Ministry, which is the album that their lead guy, Al Jorgensen, hates the most. But we like it, so we put out like a full album tribute called Effigies, a tribute to With Sympathy. Uh, You can find that on Bandcamp. yeah, you can just find that on Bandcamp somewhere, and uh, if you purchase, it's free to download. But if you purchase it, uh, all the funds will go towards uh, education through music. That is awesome, and um, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Until next time, bye. Bye.